Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my gosh, it's Behind the Bastards again. Part two of what will be our four-parter on Tsar Nicholas II. A dude who sucked pretty hard uh, with me. <laughs> Four episodes worth. Yeah. What a dick. The Tsar, huh? A lot of possible titles for this one, Jeff. How, how, you, how are you doing? How are you holding in there, Jeff? Me, I feel great. I love that. Like, the mm-hmm. fact that... This is, I was, you know how sometimes like you were like structurally designed to do something? Yeah. That's this specific thing right now. Yeah. You were built for it. Like a, built a, for it. a Russian history podcast mm-hmm. where I get to talk about how much someone sucks. Your knowledge of Russian history, your experience as a teacher, your years as a boxer, all of it coming together in this, in this endurance test of a podcast <laughs> episode. I, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm um, all in. Boy, howdy, Jeff. Uh, you are a podcaster. You have a podcast called Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. Um, you have a podcast called Jeff Has Cool Friends. Um, and you've got a sports cop podcast. That's that's about the sportses. And the I, do, I, I do. You don't even like sports. Which I is... don't. I don't know anything about sports. That's fair. That That would be perfect <laughs> for you then. Because mm-hmm. that's the name of your podcast, more or less. Yep. When you, yeah. So I do that. So uh, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman is with Tom Ryman. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you may know and and you don't even like sports with adam todd brown uh mm-hmm. so we're all it's all a very incestuous yes yeah, circle, circle of circle of content creators getting yeah. the gooey ideas all over each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the czar uh, doing i don't know uh, actually more like the czar's uncle uh <laughs> during one of those one <laughs> of those drinking gooey sessions other with the boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> just hanging out with the boys uh, baby 
Now, Jeff, you famously, unless this has changed, got drunk exactly once while performing a live show. I did. Yeah, just yeah. The one time I did it at, at uh, a thing called Performing Under the Influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was uh, the partial subject of a cracked article. I uh, got drunk mm-hmm. for the first time at 33. Maybe Which is a rough time to deal or? with your first hangover. Thir- yeah. I, you know what's funny is I didn't wake up hungover. I drank a That's ton good. of water before I went to bed, and okay. then I just woke up still a little drunk, and then fine. Excellent. But I haven't been drunk since. Well, I don't think the czar and his buddies had a lot of easy nights because champagne hangovers are a fucking nightmare, and it kind of seems like they pounded nothing but champagne and hard liquor. Real champagne in the ass right there. <laughs> uh, Jeff, when we last left, our buddy... Our old friend, our 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 pal Nicholas the Second, um, his dad had just died, um, which is normally a very sad thing, and I'm sure was for him. But also, his dad was an anti-Semitic monster who used his brother to force all of the Jews out of Moscow. And um, so, I don't know. I don't have. A, I'm I'm pretty glad that he died of kidney failure at age 49. <laughs> that like, seems I like a good know. time for him to die. <laughs> Here's what I'll say though: is that you're not doing your behind the bastards about him. No, although so he did like, play us play quite a role. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's definitely a key ingredient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this in this stew that is now about to be the czar. And Nicholas, you know, he's basically the czar as soon as his dad dies. He doesn't get coronated for like two years. Like it's a whole thing when you're making a crowning a new czar. You got to get a lot of shit locked down. Um, it's 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 a big deal for everybody in Russia. I w- I would think. Hmm. And like all around Europe, you got to get all of the Queen Victoria's kids to come over. You got to get set up a special house for the Kaiser who's weird and nobody wants to hang out with. You got to figure out who's sitting where at the table. And again, nobody wants to sit next to the Kaiser. (laughs) You got to get your your late century Russian Mm -hmm. version of Garth Brooks to come to sing a song. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And songs for the czar. So they're all about how cool the czar or how hard it is to be a czar. I would guess it's that it's like my, my peasants left me and my carriage got bombed by the communists. It's friends in low palaces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Follow me on Twitter. Oh, uh, now that's, 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 that's pretty good. So Nicholas, uh, obviously not a particularly optimistic, uh, journey to power. His immediate reaction is, oh, fuck, I'm going to be terrible at this, which would mark the only time in his life that he would be right about something meaningful. He nailed that shit. (laughs) He really got that one right. Like, perfect. He's like, I'm going to eat a big old donkey dick about (laughs) this one. And they're like, you sure are. I am going to fuck this up. Boy, howdy. Am I going to be bad (laughs) at this job? It's like he quantum leapt Mm -hmm. into into that job. He just shows up out of nowhere being like, well, Mm -hmm. I have to figure out how to do this now. It was like me when I briefly worked at Sonic. Like, oh, I am not going to do well at this. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. When, at, I was a, when I was a kid, yeah. You worked at Sonic? my first job. Yeah. Your first job was at Sonic? It was horrible. Yeah. I'm very jealous because when you find out what my first job is, it's very weird. What? I dug holes in a graveyard. That sounds so much better than working at Sonic. It sure doesn't. Oh. Me, I dug. Uh, you know who doesn't want to know that is everyone that you go to school with. That is probably true. I dug the. <laughs> I dug you? the plots to headstones. The foundation. The foundation yeah. holes for headstones. That is a rough series of conversations with your peers. Like, yeah, I got a double shift at McDonald's. Oh, I got to go. You know, uh, work as a cashier at the Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I got to go dig some graves. <laughs> yeah, I got to dig some graves. <laughs> got to yeah, put some corpse holes in the ground. It paid so well. Mm-hmm. But like people would be like, what do you do? And I'd be like, I, nothing. 
I don't yeah. do I deal drugs. I mean, shit, it does sound like a great job to listen to books on tape during. Yeah, but that was 1998. Was, so oh, right, right. iPods be, were just a glimmer in Steve yeah. Jobs' eye. Yeah, you'd have to have like an old skipping disc man mm-hmm. next yeah. to you. Listening yeah, to Jesus one of the Christ. four CDs that you own at the time. Yes. <laughs> and they get dirt all over them. Yeah, there's no... That's It's boombox era, and you can't have yeah. a boombox in a graveyard. Because I don't know if you know this about graveyards, but they prefer to not have loud, blaring music. <laughs> that would be really funny. Just like listening to fucking Fleetwood Mac and digging graves. Yeah, while some <laughs> they're trying to lower somebody down while like the chain is blasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. You, you put on, for them lowering the corpse down, you put on, um, oh, hmm. The answer is, um, is Freebird. Freebird, yeah. That's, that's the actual one. answer. Or which Monster is, Mash. <laughs> which is what they lowered uh, my cousin to, is oh, Freebird. That's fair. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, it was, that it is took what a while, that song's for. It took a while for them to start it, and mm-hmm. to me, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> that they were like trying to figure out... <laughs> How to get like, to the, 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 the part player that you want to lower casket properly. to. And I was like, man, this oh, is... Boy. The poetry to this is weird because it was like a shitty small boombox, yeah. so there, the well, acoustics weren't great. Alexander the Third does not have a great funeral um, because they fuck up the embalming, so it's like horrible and nasty. And it's the kind of thing where, like, the number one thing you read about him in like summaries of of the czars is that like they didn't embalm him properly and it was super gross. Um, which I guess is a fair thing to have as your your main legacy as a guy who's did a bunch of racism, like. Fair. Yeah. Hit a yeah. gross funeral. <laughs> William the Conqueror exploded at his yes, funeral. Yes, he sure did. Lo- like, so like, mm-hmm. I like a good, bad funeral. Yeah. There's a lot of fun ones with royalty. Uh, so yeah, he, he, he becomes, uh, the czar. His younger brother is his heir at first because though he and Alexandra are together, they have not had a, a, a boy yet. Um, Ooh, Georgie. So he's the scar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's the, yeah. Without a yeah. Simba. Yeah, except for Georgie like dies of tuberculosis, so he's not a very good scar. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a lung scar. <laughs> he does have a lung scar. Yeah, and it 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 kills him slowly, which is a problem because he's the only one of them who has any sense. Um and he probably would have done a much better job, but he has to spend all of his time like they have him stay on the beach basically because they think it'll not kill him faster, but he he dies pretty quick anyway. Um so nice Nicholas gets coronated in 1886. I wrote 1986. That's not when it happened. Um, they had a, a, a bit of a waiting period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they waited until Reagan was in office. They needed to get him down there. Um he has a big ceremonial party, right? The thing you'd expect. Um, and it's not just a party for the nobles of, of Europe and stuff. There's also a party for the peasants because the Romanovs and the peasants have this sacred bond, right? And, and Nicholas wants to honor that and build some goodwill with the, uh, the little people. So he makes like a bunch of gift bags for them that have like some sausage and some special uh, uh, baked goods and like a nice mug. Um, and he, he gets like 300,000 of these gift bags together for the poor people people damn now problem about a million of them show up seven eight hundred thousand something like that oh so it's not not like it's like bobblehead night 
You got to do like yeah. the first yeah. 10,000 people. It's like bobblehead night or 10 cent beer night. Like it goes immediately awry because there's not enough of this shit. Um, now, the other problem is that he had put Grand Duke Sergei, who, uh, you know, the drunken racist uh, uh, piece of shit dude. Um, he was the guy in charge of planning this event for the peasants. Um, so he doesn't get enough gift bags and he doesn't have any kind of real crowd control. Um, he doesn't have enough people there to like deal with with the size of crowd that there's going to be. And when people realize there's not enough gifts, they start like rushing to try to get at the last ones. And then there is a stampede. Um, and it is a stampede of 800,000 people in an area that is not prepared at all for crowd control and doesn't have anybody dedicated to keeping people safe. Um, it's real bad. Is anything prepared for 800,000 people? Yeah. I mean, you know what I went to when I was younger in 2013, I think it was, I went to the Kumbh Mela in India. And every time this gathering is held, it's this big religious gathering. Um, and it's held in four different cities once every four years. And there's one city, Allahabad, where it's like most holy when they do it there every 12 years. And every time they do it, it's the biggest gathering of people in the history of the human race for any reason. Um, and when I was there, it was about a hundred million people intense. Um, and there was like there was one stampede at a train station that killed like 30 something people. But really, like it was fine. Um, I think it went pretty well. There was like one day where 30 million people all bathed at the same time in the Ganges. Like India handles that shit pretty well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like the Hajj people would die yeah, on the Hajj that, all the time. There's been some horrible, horrible stampedes but, in the, with thousands. But that's like dead. a bonus if you die on the Hajj. Well, it is like, it is a pretty holy way to die, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, if it's a bonus, the, but... If you, if, well, if you die on the Hajj, you get, you immediately get sent to paradise. I'm not an expert. I know that, like, it's definitely, like, if you, if, it, it's not the worst way to go. Um, although I think getting crushed to death is the worst way to go. But, like, dying, doing, like, the holiest thing you can do in your religion is probably of some comfort. This is not that, because nobody's doing anything holy. They're trying to get cups. Um, they're trying to get cups and sausage, and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. And 1,400 people are crushed to death in a stampede. Um, more meat for the sausages. More meat for the sausages. We finally have enough. Um, there are some estimates, like, 1,400 people is what the state estimates. Uh, it's probably more like three or 4,000 people die crushed to death in this this horrible horrible like mass of people now this is considered bad luck for the new czar right this is his coronation and he's just killed several thousand of his own people um because he let his drunken uncle plan the whole event uh nicholas writes at the time this news left me a disgustful impression um and noted that he thought the stampede was a great sin but he doesn't call off the ceremony or any of like the celebrations and stuff um that's not it's because like he seems to want to. He's like, I don't really want to party after 1,400 people or just got stomped to death in my name. I, I kind of feel like maybe just sitting quietly in a chair. Um, but his uncle, <laughs> Again, the Greg, very Russian. Yeah. The, his uncle, the Greg dude, is like, no, you can't cancel it. We made all these plans. Everyone's coming. You have to do this big event. Like, fuck them. They're just peasants. And a lot of other people in the family are like, yeah, you have to do this. Um, and They're so they right, can, though kind of you could see this as like yeah like you have to do this this is like about more than those people this is like how the change of power in our state goes and all of these international people here like we just have to do the thing you could like that's definitely a fair take you could also see it as he feels like something is wrong and will be taken badly by people and he's not strong enough to stand up to his family the optics I are bad be, i guess yeah yeah, yeah I, you both of those things could be true also you know um it's probably better for the other crowned heads of Europe, like in terms of like their opinion of him that he continues the festivities, but it probably is worse for the peasants. 
Um, Fair. Yeah, and I'm going to quote from a write-up in Russia Beyond. The Moscow Society had considered Nicholas's refusal to stop the parties as disrespect for the victims. In his memoirs, uh, one of the Tsar's men remembers the phrase of an old typesetter in the newspaper printing house. This means trouble. The rain will bring no good. There were a lot of problems like that. So people are like talking about this, you know, like it, it's it definitely is problematic within Russia that he continues the celebrations. The people are talking, everybody. The people are talking. (laughs) The people are talking about the thousands you got killed because you didn't make it a fucking cups. Um, Now, for his part in the disaster, Nikki gets the nickname Bloody Nicholas, which is a dope nickname to have as an emperor, but not for this reason. Yeah, no, that's like (laughs) the worst way to get that nickname. You want it to be the blood of your enemies, right? (laughs) Yeah, not the blood of the people that were going to send you off and congratulations. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to get it because you you didn't bring enough sausage to the party. (laughs) That's not why you want to be Bloody Nicholas. Yeah, it's actually the the British version of bloody words. Fucking Nicholas. Yeah, fucking Nicholas. Yeah, fucking Nicholas. Um, Make the sausage dip shit. And now his brother Georgie, who is still alive at this point, um, tries to use the disaster to convince Nicholas to sack their uncle, the Grand Duke. He's like, look, I, Sergei's obviously bad at things. Don't maybe we shouldn't have him uh, have a government job anymore. Because look at all these people he got killed. But Nicky shoots his brother down, and and what he says, why he says he's not going to fire his uncle, is really revealing about his character. This is what he's saying to his brother in this argument they're having. I don't want to talk about Moscow. It makes me sick to remember. It's not particularly comforting to think about the sad side of the coronation. This seems to be a year of hard labor with me and Alex as the martyrs. Four thousand a nine eleven just died. And he's like, I am the victim here. (laughs) I mean, this ties into his his old uh, train review. Yeah. Oh, the train was awful. We got derailed. Yeah. Uh, 20 people died. But more often, yeah. it took us a while. Stepping to get over home. corpses and like, yeah, the plates got broken. I was trying to bring a bottle of wine to a friend and it shattered. It's a real. Oh, that's a lung. Yeah, it's real yeah. bad. Yeah. Can I be honest? My steak dinner ruined. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somebody's skull Spilled went right into my it. wine. <laughs> um, so after losing a couple of thousand peasants and, you know, getting through the coronation, uh, Nikki and Alex settle into a routine of life and work. Nicholas spent most of his time at his desk in the words of his cousin, Sandro, listening with near awe to the bellowing of his towering uncles. Um, Nikki was particularly frightened of his uncle, Sergey. Sandro claimed he dreaded being alone with them. And obviously, these are the guys who, like, help raise him. These are his father's brothers, his f- and, and he feels inadequate next to them. He's also much smaller than them. I think Sergei's, like, six foot five, and Nicholas is a little dude. Um, so there's a lot going on here, and he's just, like, he's he's kind of dominated during the early years of his reign by his, uh, his just kind of, it's the Sergei show, you know? And as yeah. we've established, not a good show. No, no, no. Not, it's, it's, it's one it, of the it, worst. Yeah. It's like it, that show that 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 Friends like spinoff that was all about Joey. That's that's the Sergey show. Yeah. yeah, Joey. Yeah, I was going to call it the Big Bang Theory. It's like oh, the yeah. biggest thing, but that doesn't mean it's the best. <laughs> I would say his dad's show was the Big Bang Theory, or his granddad's show was the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> fair, very mm. fair. So after, uh, yeah, they, they, they get into this routine, you might call it a rut. Um, and Nikki, yeah, spends a few years just getting dominated by his uncles. Um, Sandro, who become, became a naval officer, begs his brother to fire the grand, or Sandro, his cousin, um, begs his cousin to fire the grand duke. But Nicholas replies, sack my father's favorite brother. I believe they're right. You did turn socialist in America. His cousin had just gotten back from America. Like, 
firing this incredibly incapable racist man would be like communism. Yeah. Um, My shitty father's favorite uh, shitty dude. Yeah. <laughs> kind of man. I? Yeah. Like kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe like, I don't know. You know, I, I think forgiveness is important. It's important for people to have second chances, but I would also like, I would not give an employee a second chance if they killed 4,000 people. <laughs> they killed themselves. That's going to be a trampling. Yeah. You know, we have our little hiccups every now and then on the podcast. I get something wrong or there's something else goes awry. But um, I think if one of us were to kill 4,000 people making this podcast, I, I think that would probably need to be the end of that person's job. Let he who is without sin cast the yeah. first stone, Robert. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be pretty cool to have the, well, no, Joe Rogan beat us to that. Yeah. Like we're never going to top people? that body count. Yeah. 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 That's a shame. <sighs> Stop trying to censor him. <laughs> so you know who's not trying to censor joe rogan jeff i, I mean i feel worried i um really anyone no one really is no, nobody is no 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 one has tried no, that at no all no one really. at all but certainly not the podcasts or the Whoa. whatever the, the ads these ads aren't you know what I, you know where joe, joe just threw you off your game there robert he did this is my killing four thousand people at the czar's coronation moment the evidence keeps pouring in at this point the facts are undeniable it's an open and shut case monopoly go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini games Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. 
We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, we're back. There it you is. know what I loved about those ads, Jeff? Zero censorship of, of meathead podcast hosts. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say less than a thousand people trampled to death as a result of, of those ads. That's it's going to be really awkward when yeah. you... When you yeah. listen to the episode again, <laughs> yeah. you were like, there, there's a, a thousand big people rush being on Blue Apron. To <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's some new insurance company. Do you or a yeah. thousand people you know mm-hmm. got trampled to death? The Geico tramplings. <laughs> uh, so, um, Zar and Zarina settle into their new life, uh, which, you know, he's working all the time, but not from the same place. They travel constantly throughout the year. Air conditioning isn't really a thing. So, like, uh, at the start of the year, they're they're in the capital in the Winter Palace, um, where a whole social season in St. Petersburg revolved around, like, partying while it's really cold outside with the Romanovs and their cousins. So, there's all these big dances and balls and things that I think I would rather die than attend. Um, like you don't like big balls? No, I, I yeah, I, I, it, it depends. Like if they're cradled properly. Um, but get it? I certainly don't AC like dances. DC song when they were clever. Oh yeah, clever. They were like, get it, and we're like, yeah, we get it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see DC. We we understand the joke. <laughs> we get the bit. This is a four minute song. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so the czar spends a few weeks each year, you know, in the winter doing galas and balls and yada, 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 these big insufferable parties. And then in the spring, they go to their second, their like their palace, the Peterhof, which is in an area that has nicer springs. And then in late summers, they go on their imperial yacht and sail around the coasts and the Baltic and all that stuff. Um, and then in autumn, they go south and travel to their castles in Poland and hunt throughout the fall. God, that sounds so dope. Um, it does sound pretty rad, right? That sounds, that sounds so like a rad, fun life. Man. <laughs> now, I mean, he is like working 80-hour nightmare weeks and like heading religious ceremonies and all this stuff at the time. But yeah, it sounds like a pretty fucking dope work schedule what's even doper is his like noble cousins and uncles who have that lifestyle but also don't have anything to do 
like have zero yeah, that's, responsibilities. That's the life, man. That's the sweet spot. Not the czar, but his like first cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Like tight enough that the blood is very mm-hmm. similar, but not so tight that you're going to get murdered in an uprising. Yeah. And when things go awry, you can just kind of bounce. Yeah. You're like, I'm <laughs> yeah. actually Dutch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God. I spent so much time in Germany. <laughs> this worked out good for me. Yeah, I'm going to turn this accent on real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, Nicholas keeps a rigorous schedule. He wakes up at eight every morning. He works an until the night most days uh, Simon Montfiore writes refusing to delegate Nikki signed off on trivialities such as every change of name and divorce in the empire and lists of staff to receive Easter eggs as well as sentences of exile and death so he is he takes this thing of like absolute autocrat very seriously and he is like micromanaging he's doing yeah, DMV shit yeah he's covering a lot of ground yeah he's so like, saying, like he, congratulations he's, you are married and congratulations you are beheaded Mm-hmm. Oops, and I signed we, the wrong paper. Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> it is like we talk about like he's working all the time, but a lot of it is stuff that like he doesn't need to do. Like, hey, yeah, you can you can delegate some of this, buddy. Yeah. But he doesn't. Um, and so he has a lot of like busy work. He's again like kind of the national DMV slash warlord pope. It's a weird cool. thing to do, man. It is it's a, a weird way to set up your gigantic country. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to just be like, no, I have to sign off on every divorce. Yeah. Like, like no one expects Christ. this of you, Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> so fairly early on in his reign, Nicholas II had to make a crucial decision. Would he follow in his grandfather's footsteps and push for reform, or would he be like his dad, an advocate of sacred autocratism? He chose the latter, vowing that when he had a son, he would pass on to him an intact monarchy. This would prove to be a problem for... <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh Nicky. Spoiler alert. Yeah does not wind up being that story. Um, this proved problematic for a couple of reasons. But the first thing that stymied his goal was the fact that Alex just wasn't making baby boys, you know? Um, obviously, that's not that's not on her. Um, you don't have any choice in the matter. But it's also the most important thing for him to do is to make an heir, right? Like every czar, job number one is make another boy who can take over. Keep fucking. Yeah um it's like it's a big deal and like the rain is there's unrest in the kingdom and shit when you don't have an heir because people don't really know as clearly how things are going to shake out because even if it's like your first cousin or whatnot it's a lot messier if it's not the way it's supposed to go in this system so everybody's got a lot writing on um he and alex having a baby boy and by god they try um but they are they they just keep making girls um he has four daughters uh over the course of years um well she has four daughters uh and and he he helps it's like a shake and bake situation you know um and to their credit they're very devoted to them there's this story from his first daughter that like his wife starts sobbing when she realizes she's had a daughter because she hasn't you know done her duty yet and given him a son and he reassures her by saying hey we're gonna have a son one of these days and he's going to belong to russia you know this girl is ours like our this child is just is just our daughter and like that's, that's that's great yeah, that's a sweet thing to say. Like that's uh, in a situation that can't possibly be healthy, the healthiest way to think about this, yeah. I think. I got to be honest, he sounds like a real wife guy. He's a wife guy. He is. He is. And, he's a, he's a love super wife him. dude. I love that um, for him because apparently everyone else hates his wife. Mhm. <laughs> they sure do. And and spoiler, his wife is sucks. Uh is trash. His wife's bad. But he is too, so it's a good match. Like it's like an Ava Brown Hitler situation where yeah, it's like well, you're both feather. deeply unpleasant, but you know, 
<laughs> at least you found each other. Yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe some people should not ever do anything like Hitler, but you, you, we don't have that option. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Canceling Hitler. Who are you to judge? Yeah, what was he supposed to do after not getting into art school? What was the czar supposed to do other than be the czar? Um, yeah, it's his I don't job, know. man. Yeah, quit, buddy. Take your money and run. Like, that's the ooh, thing. Ooh, like, ooh. spend a year as the czar socking shit away in Switzerland, then go on a diplomatic trip one day and just never come back. Just Bruce Wayne at the end of the Dark yeah, Knight trilogy. Just, just do a fucking Irish goodbye on being the czar of all Russia. Yeah, the new Russian goodbye, you know? Yeah. He's I'm just out. hanging out. Yeah, he's like a tinsmith in, like, mm-hmm. Boston. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> so when duty kept the czar and his wife apart, the emperor and empress would exchange letters on a daily basis. Um, they usually had telegrams, and so they're like, again, they're like texting each other. Like, they are co- corresponding on a rate that is pretty much modern and they're like the the russian royal family really are the only people in the world who get to do this i guess there's some other royals like this um but like they're basically texting all the time and so they they talk to each other about everything and we unfortunately as a result of this know a dismal amount about their sex life and what they called each other man how um, awkward must that have been for the dude doing there's the just telegraphing? some fucking guy who's like writing this down <laughs> yeah okay titties one or two titties yeah or yeah, whatever yeah. guy damn Cyrillic letter we have message for back for confirmation yeah <laughs> do you want to come on my neck <laughs> did you say did you mean neck yeah <laughs> all right neck good for them um his pet name or her pet name for him was boise um like b-o-y-s-y not like idaho um and and his pet name for her was lady um, which is Oof. fine. It's just some funny texture, not judging them, whatever. Everybody has weird pet names. One example letter reads, this is going to be hard to get through. Do it in an accent. <laughs> it'll be easier. Tell Boise that lady sends him her tenderest love and kisses and often thinks of him in lonely, sleepless nights. Like it's sweet. They love each other, but I it's swear also to God. Yeah, I expected something a lot more like graphically sexual. To no, be- <laughs> they're too boring for that. Um, here's how boring they are. We do. They talk about their sex life a lot, but it's all pretty bland um, because he's such a repressed dude in the 1800s. The czar is terrified to use the word period. So when he's like messaging her on the telegram as he's driving back on a train and wants to know, like, are we going to be able to fuck? Because he's he's obviously he's not that cool. Um, so he's asking, like, are we going to be able to fuck when I get back? And so he'll ask, is Madam Baker home? that's his like slang for like are you are you having i mean a that's that's fair because remember this is going through two yeah other people are reading this them. like it so, makes like, sense and he's not um, gonna be like how's that puss yeah, like, yeah. he's not gonna do that i mean other people do in this period and it's pretty funny but yeah they're a little more coy he also calls it the military engineer um so I will also know. remind you, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I would also like to remind you that we're talking about this now. So he it is funny, very right? correct yeah. to not be too graphic about this because he, he, we're he like, is. let's talk about this other dipshit telegraph yeah. that he wrote. Yeah. Google James Joyce love letters and see how it can go when some, your shit gets into someone else's hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just find it funny. That's not a particular moral mark against them. Like, it is interesting to me that they are basically like sexting each other in the 1800s because they have the ability. Like, they get to use telegram machines that way. But also, it means that someone else has to do all of the actual sexting for them, um, which is awkward. 
So, and some guy that's most likely wearing an official uniform. Yeah, he's, he's got doing, he's got the like, biggest hat you've seen in your life. He's at work doing <laughs> yeah. this. This is he's at work sexting a wife. Yeah. How was your job, honey? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Let me tell you. This baker lady won't go away. <laughs> And she's there every so, month she shows up to her place. <laughs> it's really irritating bizarre. So Nicholas doesn't seem to have really liked his cousin Kaiser Wilhelm because nobody liked Kaiser nobody Wilhelm. Ever. N- never, never. Weird dude. Um, horny for his mom's hands. But he came uh, calling regularly on like Kaiser Wilhelm came to Russia uh, to hang out with Nikki pretty regularly. And this is for totally self-serving reasons. Again, he wants to get back into an alliance with Russia. So he's like always dropping by to be like, hey, can I borrow your entire military in the event of a European conflict? <laughs> mm, yep. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what usually happens. Um, and he, he starts trying to, like, as part of his plan to win back the Tsar, he tries to convince Nikki to expand um, in in Asia rather than expanding into Europe. Because, like, Germany's doing some expandy stuff in this period, right? They're unifying. They're getting getting their shit locked down. Um, they're they're quarreling with a couple of folks. Um, and he it's doesn't no big want... Deal. Yeah, it, it it ends fine, um, but he doesn't want he doesn't want the czar to to look towards Europe. He wants him to like look towards Asia, um, and also the, the Kaiser kind of has some de- designs for taking part of China, which is sort of falling apart in this period. Um, and so he's like, "Hey, why don't we like steal a little bit of of China?" Uh, and because he's the Kaiser and very racist, he describes this as setting Russia up to quote defend Europe from the inroads of the Great Yellow Race. All of the letters in this that 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 racist phrase are capitalized, I think, by the Kaiser, who also spoke great English. Um, I mean, at least they called him great. He did say great. Yeah, I don't think he meant it in a good way. Um, and he advocated working together to steal a bunch of ports from China. Um, and Russia really wants a Chinese port because China has some ports that don't freeze. Uh, and all of the ports in Russia freeze at some point, right? Like it's not. Or all the ports, at least on the east side of the empire. They've got that problem. He wants like a warm weather port um, and he wants to take it from China. Um, And this is kind of like, you know, the Kaiser is sort of like really pushing this. But Nicholas definitely wants, again, as we said, like every czar's job is to expand the empire. Um, and this is kind of the only real place to expand. So Nicholas, he hasn't made an heir yet. He can't put another, uh, a boy into the Imperial, you know, uh, baby cavern or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he can conquer some land for Russia and maybe prove that he deserves to be the czar that way. Um, so he seizes Port Arthur on the Chinese coast. Cause again, China's sort of falling apart and the Kaiser's like, yeah, this is a great idea. Do it, do it, do it. So he, he sends troops. <laughs> He's in like and such he takes a shit his- talker. He's like, yeah, yeah. man, do it. Do Dude, yeah, it's gonna go, it's gonna go great for everybody. It's like um, jackass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Hi, with I'm Nicholas II, and this is invading China. <laughs> this this is conquering the Chinese coast. <laughs> um, and his ministers in the navy are like, "This is a bad idea, bro. You don't know what you're getting into, bro. We don't have a lot of troops on that side of the- it. Is far the fuck away from Moscow. Uh, I don't know if you know how big your country is, but like, it's gonna be a problem fighting in China for us. Um, 
but the czar is like uh nope i want uh i want a port um and the navy's even like well this is a bad one to, if you're going to go through this if you're gonna like take all the risks of seizing a port from china this isn't a very good port why don't we like go further south and take a port in korea um and his prime minister at the time a guy named wit uh who we'd met you know used to be running the trains and stuff um points out that this is going to fuck up the alliance that he already has with china he's got like treaties because he's building the trans-siberian railway which goes through territory china controls so he has like a treaty with china and his prime minister is like well you know they're not gonna be happy with you if you start yeah. conquering them <laughs> yeah i don't know if you know what a treaty is yeah but do you understand how picking a work? fight with someone in the treaty is like that's like a no-no yeah and he's also wit is also like japan's not gonna be cool with this because they're in the pro japan is waging war in china right now they are actively conquering chunks of china and japan and russia are at peace at the moment and wit is like do you really want to like fuck with japan in like their sphere of influence because like we're not we're not great at fighting over there kind of far away um but the young czar didn't listen uh and again his two issues his two duties are to expand the empire and to make a baby so like this is he sees this is like this is the one thing i can do um and during his world tour that big road trip we talked about last episode nikki had met a, a prince um named esper who was really into buddhism and this prince had claimed like hey the people at tibet are waiting for the great white czar to conquer tibet from china and free them everybody in tibet wants to be ruled by the czar you just get out you, you overthrow the british who are running things at the moment in there and like they're going to be psyched with you um which is classic not tibet classic tibet <laughs> everybody just has a picture of a russian dude on their wall one day yeah <laughs> Uh, the, the Dalai Lama just has an Ivan Drago poster mm -hmm. hanging up in his wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Nikki was very superstitious and religious, and he was entranced by this vision of himself as a great white czar. Driven by fantasies of a Russia expanded across Manchuria and Korea, he committed more and more uh, of his troops to Asia. Now, his brother dies in uh, July of 1899 from tuberculosis. And when his brother dies, that's like the last reasonable voice that he sometimes listened to. You know, he's got wit. He's got some like ministers that are reasonable, but he doesn't give a shit what they say because they're not they're not they, the czar. They weren't, he, they weren't God given. Yeah, exactly. He did kind of sometimes, not all the time, not often listen to Georgie. But now Georgie's, you know, dead as shit. Um, so this isn't going to go great for anybody. Uh, least of all China. Now, in 1900, we have the Boxer Rebellion, which is this big populist uprising against the West in China. A bunch of embassies in Peking get besieged, and like everybody who's not China puts a big army together to go fuck up China. Um, it's pretty Boxer fucked up. Boxer Rebellion's interesting. Yeah, it we'll talk about it. That's, this is like a criminally brief explanation of what happens. I mean, it's a lot of people that it's some dudes that thought they were in Crouching Tiger, and yeah, it did not go the way it was planned. It did not. Nothing, nothing. None of this goes well. Um, Nicholas doesn't really want to send troops to China. He's like very anxious about actually having his soldiers in Peking. Um, but he's also bullish on conquering a bunch of China. So after his troops get back from the Boxer Rebellion, he sends 170,000 soldiers into Manchuria, um, which he does not control. And his goal is to provoke a reaction that will justify like conquering all of Manchuria, which Japan is fighting over at the time and is owned by china so he's he's really just like sticking his national dick in a hornet's nest um for no real reason like <laughs> i i just i love that phrasing yeah 
Yeah, he is about to fuck a hornet's nest. But you know who won't fuck a hornet's nest, Jeff? Go on. Who who would that be? Well, would. Um, well, they they'll have you cook one first. Yeah, they they would have you. They would have you. Well, they would they would use you would you would marinate your dick in bee venom or hornet yeah. venom, and then or like cook a it. like a or something. Yeah, probably do it filled with hornets. Filled with hornets. Um, or the Washington State Highway Patrol, mostly hornets. Anyway, here's some ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. 
We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, yeah, we're back. Jeff just got his first bleep. I did. And then you know what? I got to be honest. Felt great. It does. It does. You're trying to censor me? I'm mm-hmm. the new Joe Rogan. That's right. You're going you're gonna to crowdfund a half a million dollars off of this. You can't, you can't censor me. I'm uncensorable. Mm-hmm. I'm a straight white man with a background in fighting. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> you, you, you are the anti-Rogan. We could get you guys to touch and... Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd merge together like Time Cop. Yeah, and then you would produce season five of Serial. I don't know how that works out, but it does. Um, that was a... Anyway. Jeff! <laughs> So how do you feel all this goes? Getting involved in, in, in China, trying to take a China, futzing with Japan, I've, flipping I've, them off a little bit. Think this goes I've, good? I've seen The Princess Bride. I know for a fact you never get involved in a land war in Asia. You you sure do not. Um, and you also, you really don't want to fuck with like early 1900s Japan. They, they, they have their shit together. <laughs> They're doing okay. They had yeah. some lulls. They had some ups and some downs. Uh, Japan's been pretty victorious, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, China, they did not have a great second half of the 19th no. century. You, you kind of can fuck with China in this yeah. period, which is why the entire world does repeatedly. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, how many how many drug dealing wars did we have uh, in order to protect our right to turn the entire country into opium addicts? Yeah, 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 and it was all for tea. That's right, everybody. Look it up, British invaded a country to force them to buy drugs so that they could get tea more easily. Um, That's so us. Not even top 10 of British Empire crimes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, man, I, the open door policy in the opium mm. wars is so wild. It's real, we, we really need to get into that more on this because it is a fascinating period and it says just everything about the kind of individuals who were involved in colonialism in this period. One of whom is Nicholas II. So, um, in 1901, the Tsar and Tsarina have their last daughter. Um, they've had four so far. I think it's four. Um, who can keep track of them? Um, so well, the Bolsheviks them. could. Well, maybe it kind of you know what they, on were, what you they were in little nesting dolls. Each one's <laughs> yeah, a new daughter. He just keeps popping. They have the one daughter, and they just keep popping her in half and pulling out another daughter. And then inside is a tiny little son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a tiny little son who can't bleed right. <laughs> um. So about a month after they have their last daughter, uh, two princesses who married into the Romanov family, they're called the Crows in Simon Montfiore's book. They're kind of occultists. Um, they're really into like weird witchy stuff, but like cool Christian, fuck, I think, man, it's pretty dope. There's a lot of that going around in this period. Um, they introduced Nicholas and Alexandra to a French healer. These princesses were originally from Montenegro and they were part of like they were into these really occult Christian traditions. Um, and they introduced the Romanovs into like the world of like weird spiritual healers. And um, Nicholas and Alexandra fall hard for this shit. And I'm going to quote from the Romanovs. First, the sisters introduced Nikki and Alex to the epileptic holy idiot Mit- Mitka Kolibia. Uh, but when M- Mit- Mit- but when the. <clears throat> 
You just sounded Jesus like Corky Pig I right did. there. The fucking names. That was amazing. Um, yeah, but then one of the sister's sons falls ill and she consults uh, a French peasant boy um, who, working at his uncle's butcher shop, had experienced an epiphany and set himself up as a hierophant, specializing in the power of psychic fluids and astral forces to heal sickness and cure female sterility. Now, this guy's name is Philippe, uh, and by the time the Tsar and Tsarina meet him, he's about 50, small, with black hair and black mustache, uh, very unsightly in appearance, with an ugly southern French accent, as someone close to the Romanovs writes. As Nikki and Alex struggled to conceive a boy, Philippe visited Petersburg at the palace of uh, the Crows and her the Crow, one of the Crow women and her husband, the Grand Duke Peter, noted Nikki, this evening we met the amazing Frenchman. So they like they they fall for this guy hard. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a Rasputin kind of thing. It's exactly that. Yeah. These people um, are what we refer to as marks. Yes, they are. They would be devastatingly online and fall for every single scam. The, yeah, they'd be Q. Number one, number one, the czar would have like a thousand NFTs right now. Um, <laughs> they would be pouring bleach down their kids' throats. They, they would got, they would have bought into everything. They got they, trying to escape the palace. They got caught with 17 pounds of bored ape <laughs> pictures yeah, yeah. they were running out of. <laughs> yeah, these are, these are, I can't emphasize this enough, not smart people. Yeah, um, yeah, my apes, <laughs> my precious apes. My precious apes all gone. The Bolsheviks. How could you do this to me? This was the future. Yeah. And then you've got like Stalin in a room with, I don't know, one of the red generals. And they're like, now that Lenin is dead, the bored apes can go to the people. And Stalin looks at the bored ape and (laughs) puts it in his pocket. No, no, this is my ape. (laughs) All apes are Stalins. Um, So the Romanovs fall for this guy fucking immediately. They start calling him our friend with the F capitalized, which is what they call Rasputin decades later or years later. And they take him immediately into their confidence. Again, these people have like no guile at all. Like they're like a holy man who can heal using magic. Let's tell him every state secret we have. I would love for you to plant these beans. Mm-hmm. It Sooner would have been. <laughs> It would have been very easy to spy on the Tsar and Tsarina if, like, you you were a little good at tricking people. You like, if you're like a close the, up magician, you yeah, can the, just the finger pulling apart. <laughs> Perhaps you would like to see this rupal behind your ear. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched a man pull his finger in half. We must give him our boy's health. <laughs> yeah, or he will be pulling us all in half. Yeah. So he just just lose every dime at a carnival. Just <laughs> yeah, one carnival would have ruined the Roman ruined their life. <laughs> so the Tsar's actual doctors are like with carnies. <laughs> you cannot take this man's advice. Um, he has graduated from no school and he has no medical license. Like you can't you can't take his advice on your wife's fertility um, or on the health of your children. You like what are you doing? And the Tsar is like. Oh, your problem with him is is that he doesn't have a license? Well, I'll make him a medical doctor by declaration and give oh, him a medical God. license. Oh, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it does in Russia. That's not. Dude, that's not how it works. It's very funny. 
Um, Simon Montfiore continues, Soon Philippe was giving political advice. When Nikki met Kaiser Wilhelm, Alex told her husband, Our dear friend will be near you and help you answering William's questions, giving him the toughness to be friendly and severe so that he realizes he dare not joke with you, that he learns to be afraid of you. As for reform, Philippe advised Nikki that a constitution would be the ruin of Russia. In the spring of 1902, Alex fell pregnant and our friend was prophesying Russia was chosen to dominate the Far East. So this guy is in is reinforcing again he's doing the thing that like helps you con powerful people you tell them what they want to hear the czar wants to hear no the people don't need a constitution and yes you're you're gonna conquer china yeah smart guy which is such a big gamble yeah it's a horrible gamble yeah like like you're gonna be able to do this one very hard thing Mm mm-hmm you sure yeah. about that? Yeah, the, you, know, the guy it. who fell for my tricks are going yeah. to be able to, to tie this knot. <laughs> yeah, this fucking rube. You're mm-hmm. going to be able to take care of it yeah. all. Oh, yeah, it's going to go great for you. Send more guys to China. That's going to yeah. be really good. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I got a mustache. Fucking yeah. do it. <laughs> so at this point, absolutely nothing but garbage is getting into the czar's brain, right? Like his his information funnel is just pure trash. Um, now he's introduced by Sandro, who's normally like his, his who's his cousin, and is normally like one of the more level headed people around him, to a captain named Bezobrazov, who wants to be the Cecil Rhodes of Russia, and basically is like, send me over to Asia and I'll conquer it for you. I think your historic destiny is to conquer the East, and I'm gonna do it for you, right? Me. Besobrazov, I'm going to be the guy. You like give me troops and money, and I'll, I'll conquer Manchuria for you and Korea too. Um, give me enough troops and enough money, and I could do it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to. I mean, if I, from what I remember of the Korean War, pretty easy war. Honestly, I'm going to be like so easy that I barely even remember it happening. I barely even talk about it. It's like a forgotten war or something, probably because it was so boring. So more like <laughs> warring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Japan is engaged at this point. They're they're again trying to conquer China. Um, oh, congratulations, having, Japan! Yeah, it doesn't work oh, out great for them either. Different, okay, yeah. different. Mm-hmm. They are not getting married. You would not. You would not call this a marriage. Um, so they start clashing with Russia diplomatically over the fact that Russia's expanding into the areas that Japan is already trying to conquer. And Japan does not want a war with Russia because it's a bad idea to go to war with Russia historically, most most of the time. Um, yeah, Japan but- likes to avoid wars that are not defensive in general until they see the opportunity. You don't yeah. want to you don't want to. You don't want to leave the island for a war with Russia. It's not a good idea. It's not. I mean, especially you're already fighting this war with China, right? Like you're trying to you're, you're engaged in conflict all over. Your resources are extended and Russia's huge and rich. Um, you don't really want to fuck with them. And they have a reputation as being a good naval power, too. And maybe J- yeah. Japan doesn't really want to, like, test this shit. Yeah, just look um, at their czar. He's dressed like a like a sailor. Yeah, <laughs> look at him. He's got to be great with boats. He's wearing that little outfit. Yeah, dressed like a sailor his whole goddamn life. Now, Japan is scared of getting into a fight with uh, with with Russia, but because he's listening to Bezo- Bezobrazov, Nicholas is not at all fright- frightened of a war with Japan. He thinks it's going to be a cakewalk. And Bezobrazov convinces him that conflict is inevitable. So the best thing to do is to start threatening Japan with open war and basically like, hey, if we lay our cards out on the table, they'll either fight us and we'll win or they won't fight us and we'll get our shit. Right. Like that's Bezobrazov's attitude. Uh, He tells the czar only the bayonet can guarantee the success of our activities in Manchuria. Um, It does not. 
So despite the fact that this guy is kind of unhinged, Nikki gives him two million rubles and sends him east on a secret mission to set up a paramilitary force in Manchuria to help them conquer it, um, which Bezo Brazov has. There's nothing in his background that would make him capable of this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when you make that Irish goodbye. That's when you yeah. just are like, you just take you. that money and bounce. Yeah, that is um, that is a bounceable amount of money to have. But he does not bounce. Um, and when he finds out Wit, who's, again, one of the few reasonable people in uh, the Tsar's orbit, uh, like laments that a, quote, half mad preposterous adventurer is purely in charge of their policy in the East. So Nicholas is basically like, yeah, crazy dude, do whatever you want. You're in charge of Russia's policy towards China. This is going to end well. That's like giving Mel Gibson's character from Lethal Weapon in charge yeah. of that like it's just like a very unhinged existence to see somebody be in charge of anything with yeah it's it's not a great call and while nicholas is edging japan towards the brink of war shit is not copacetic in the imperial interior this article by shlomo lambrosa writing for oxford university press lays out the situation the lack of any substantive reform policy compounded by a deteriorating economy led to increased incidents of popular violence. Poor harvests in 1902 and 1903 caused wide-scale unrest in rural areas. Peasants roamed the countryside in search of work and food, occasionally resorting to violence. In 1902, in the provinces of Kharkov and Poltava, peasants looted homes from the nobility, causing thousands of rubles worth of damage. So that is a is a problem for the Russians, right? It's that not a problem a when people are starving, but now it's rich a people sign are for the problem. Russians. Yeah, <laughs> like oh shit, like, small pockets of the poor are rising up against the nobility. Yeah, well, I guess we should just do the same thing for the next sixteen years. Yeah, I guess we should continue taking no changes whatsoever and maybe start a war with Japan. Um, yeah, so economic, the fact that the economy is falling apart, it doesn't, unfortunately, like there are some isolated pockets of people going after nobles. For the most part, they go after the people that Russian peasants go after and Russian nobles go after when they're angry. They make the same call that Alexander III does. They they go after the Jews. Um, you mean, know, when yeah. in doubt. Again, this is why like tens of thousands of Jewish people are leaving Russia every year because it's it's not a not an easy spot. Um, They're like, you know, what's better. Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like that's a lot. We got to be a lot safer for us. In 1903, all of this culminates in the first pogrom of the century in a city named Kishinev. It started with what was basically a drunken party where several kids vandalized Jewish property. So you get these like young kind of nationalist right wing youth and they they vandalize a synagogue um, and then some Jewish owned stops shops and things just kind of keep escalating. Thank like, God that doesn't happen in modern yeah, times anymore. Yeah, we we got that out of the species' system. Thankfully. Thank God the Jews are no longer targeted by hate mm -hmm. crimes anymore. That's what everyone says about the Jews. <laughs> it's that things are simple. Things are um, great for them now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to quote from the Harvard Crimson here, or Harvard Gazette here. Sorry, not the Crimson. Fuck the Crimson. This is the Harvard Gazette. Gangs of 10 or 20 armed with hatchets and knives stormed through the town's narrow streets and into its courtyards, where Jewish families defended themselves with garden implements and other meager weapons. In the end, 49 Jews were killed, and an untold number of Jewish women were raped, and 1,500 Jewish homes were damaged. This sudden rush of hoodlum violence, prompted by accusatory rumors of Jewish ritual murder, quickly became a talisman of imperial Russian brutality against its Jews. God. So, yeah... It's cut it out, guys. Mm -hmm. Just cut it's it not out. Great. Uncool. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it. Yeah, maybe maybe don't. Have you tried not? Yeah, have you tried the, not being a dick about it and his 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 empire? Maybe not. So Nikki, when he hears about this big pogrom, um, he puts a dude in charge of dealing with it. Um, a, a minister named Pleve, who has taken part in anti-Semitic violence before and is one of the most infamous anti-Semites in the Russian government. Um, and actually, Pleve becomes one of the more moderate people around him, which is not great. Um, but his move, he fires the uh, the governor of uh, of Kishinev, which fine. Um, and Nikki seems to barely kind of notice that a pogrom has happened. Uh, this does not really take up a lot of cycles in his brain. He's concerned with the fact that his wife is pregnant again. Yeah, I was um, going to say he's probably too busy sexting. Yeah, he is too busy sexting, does not care about this pogrom. Um, uh, on the day of it, he's just kind of like writing home to his wife about shit. He doesn't, this doesn't seem to have really left a mark on him at all. Um, and he, can, he and his wife continue to get all of their medical advice from Philippe. Uh, this was deeply worrying to the old win- uh, uh, empress, the czar's mother. And so she sends a secret agent with the Akrana, Russian Secret Service, to investigate Philippe, this, this healer. And the investigation realizes, like, this guy has been charged with practicing medicine without a license and France a bunch like he's a, he's a tiny he's like French literally carny. con artist yeah he's yeah. like a, yeah this one carney got close to the czar and immediately conned his ass smooth as shit man this mm-hmm. guy this guy could talk himself anywhere mm. and when this report was brought to the czar he fires the agent who writes it not Philippe um and philippe's health advice during this this pregnancy that alex is having um is that she's not allowed to be weighed or inspected by doctors in any way whatsoever um and the reason is because she's not actually pregnant she's like some people she may have had like kind of a miscarriage or something basically um we don't really know he may have just been lying to her and trying to get her to put on a little weight and telling her that she was pregnant so that he could try to get a bunch of money out of them it's kind of unclear exactly what happened but he it's definitely a fun con kn- yeah, he knows yeah. she's not pregnant because he's like, oh, yeah, don't let anybody weigh you and don't let the doctors look at you. <laughs> and but also like, eat fine. this hoagie. Yeah, eat this hoagie. <laughs> eat this six foot party yeah. sub that I got delivered. And and the Zara and Zarina are like, that makes sense. Um, now, obviously, eventually you can only hide from someone that they're not pregnant for so long. There is a point at which it will become very clear that you were not pregnant. Um, this happens. Uh, and it, when it does, this does kind of break the spell a little bit. And Nicholas finally fires Philippe. Simon Montfiore writes... Before he left, laden with presents, including a Serpolet motor car, he gave the Empress a little bell that would ring if dark forces lurked. Philippe died soon afterwards, but not before he had warned that he would merely vanish and then reappear. Sometime you will have another friend like me who will speak to you of God. That's good. You ain't never had a friend like me. He's <laughs> but Aladdin genieing him. He, he, he is he is genieing him, and he's also like setting him up for Rasputin, which I, I kind of. He must have known he was an old man. Like, he must have known he didn't have that much longer. I wonder if he was just like, I'm going to do a solid for the next con man who gets close to these idiots. You know? You got like, to look out for the next generation. Yeah. He's, he's really setting shit up for Rasputin. Like, another guy is going to come and con these rich people out of more of their stuff. But, and I want it to be easy for him because fuck him. There is something fascinating about these, uh, these like, mystics that the, mm-hmm. that the czars are pulling in at the end here, the Romanovs. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they say shit that's, like, oddly, like, it's an odd portent. Mm -hmm. Like, they'll say shit that, like, because we talk about, like, Rasputin, he's, like, he he does his thing. We'll read some of them. Like, he's got some really prophetic-sounding stuff. The Um, ones I remember being very specific, he's, like, you know, if you kill me, you are 
fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. Uh, this war is going to go bad. Like, But also, if you're Rasputin and you're a pretty good con man and you know these people, it's a safe bet to be like, I'll just tell them things are going to get real bad because they probably are going to keep getting real bad because these people are stupid. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know, Jeff, Uh, but I do know that that's going to be the end of part two. You you got some pluggables? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it for this for this week. You know, like I said, if if you guys uh, find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Hey There Jeffro, come say hi. I'm actually uh, pretty funny on the old on the old Twitter. Damn straight. We have a good time on there. Mm-hmm. You can also check out uh, my shows. I have Jeff has cool friends, which is available at patreon.com slash Jeff may for early uncensored episodes with bonus content, or you can listen to it for free a week later. I have a lot of really cool friends. If you're a nerd, you'd absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have Tom and Jeff watch Batman on the gamefully unemployed network. Uh, you can check that out with Tom Ryman as well as uh, you don't even like sports and unpopular opinion, both on the unpops network with Adam Todd Brown. Uh, yeah. Robert, what do you got to plug, man? Tell me something. Oh, tell shit. me something good. Well, I, I got a novel called After the Revolution. It's you can pre-order it now and get it signed. Uh, if you Google AK Press After the Revolution, you can find my novel. It'll come signed to your house. So order order that shit. Check it out. Hell yeah, I'm gonna do that. I want you to know my address. I I I will not, but someone at AK Press will learn your address. Oh hell yeah, it's and we'll use it for for unsettling purposes. That's that's the guarantee. Ooh, unsavory books. Hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us at Behind the Bastards this week. Come back next week for several more hours of talking about Tsar Nicholas II. So much Nicholas II. Way too much Nicholas II. An irresponsible (laughs) amount of Nicholas Nicholas II, I would say. That's what Nicholas II said right before he got shot by the Bolsheviks. Fair. He's like, you know, maybe a few more weeks. I feel like more of me would have been good. I was really going to pull it out in the last quarter. Give me a chance. I can fix. I can fix. I can change, baby. Mm-hmm. Two million dead. Tiny war. Fine. Perfect. All right, I'll uh, see you next week. All right. Bam. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Clam comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.